Welcome to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett. And I'm Dr. Brett, and I'm here today with Eric Stemmen. Is that correct, Eric? Did I do yes, it right? Yes, it is. <laughs> He's German and Dutch and interesting. You go to Greenwich High. You're a senior. You're also a swimmer. And you have a lot of experience, not just in America, but also in Holland and in Germany and internationally. And so that's part of the reason we have you on. The other part of the reason is I like you. So welcome to, to our show here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us about this process as a senior here, applying to schools and figuring this whole college process out. And then we'll get into the sports and all that stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a different process here in Europe. What my parents had to do was they basically signed up to go to college. Like you just told them, Hey, I want to go here and I want to study business. And then the colleges themselves told you, here's the three places that you can go. It's a lot more competitive here and it's a lot more stressful just because you have to pick 12 schools or 20 schools, basically. <laughs> you have to tell each of them that they're your favorite school and that there's nowhere else you want to be. But at the end of the day, half of those schools are going to reject you and you're only going to go to one of them. Mm. So it's a lot of empty promises, really, between both the colleges and you kind of talking about how you love that school and they would love to have you which they tell you pretty much every other week in emails. And at the end of the day, you go to one of them and hopefully that ends up being the one that you wanted to go to or the ones that you end up being happy at. Yeah, 12 to 20 sounds pretty intense. I'm not sure every American student does it that way, but you were in you know, Fairfield County, Connecticut and Greenwich, Greenwich in particular, right? So it's, there's a higher level of intensity where you're growing up. So I think that's also part of the 12 to 20. I'm not, I'm not convinced everybody applies to that many schools. That's pretty intense. Oh, no, definitely not. Um, we have, but when you are basically told to apply to at least four Ivy League schools, even if you're not an Ivy League student, you kind of end up applying to 12 just because you need some in the middle as well or some realistic choices because if you're not an Ivy League student and you apply to four Ivy League colleges, you're basically just sending four applications that don't really mean a whole lot because that's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of applications. How much time has all this taken you so far? Uh, it takes a lot of time. It's uh, There's a lot of supplemental essays. There's a lot of stuff you have to get together. There's a lot of transcripts, a lot of essays, a lot of personal stuff you have to write about yourself to try and convince them. And there's also, but what I um, underestimate at the beginning of the process is the amount of connecting that you have to do before the essays even do or before the application itself. Like you, this year, especially because of coronavirus, there's a lot of communication that goes on between admissions officers and college counselors and students, there's a lot of emails and a lot of calls that you do, which don't necessarily add up to the application itself, but a lot of work that you do end up doing just to get into the college that isn't even part of the application that you end up sending out. And you're, you're saying it's very different in Europe. Tell us about Germany, a little bit more about Germany and about Holland. I know those two countries are you know, your, your home, so to speak, right? Your dad's German, your mom's Dutch. Uh, there might be other countries you're aware of as well. So tell us a little bit about how Europe works. Well, if I were to apply to a Dutch college as an international student, all I would have to send 
are my grades. That's all I have to send. And then they decide based off of that whether or not I'm a good fit for their school. So for example, whereas here, if I wanted to apply to UConn, I'd have to send them a personal essay and supplemental essays and transcript and recommendations and all that. And then I still, then they decide for the UF for the Netherlands, like the University of Amsterdam, all I'd have to do is send them my transcript with my grades and my classes on it. And then they would decide from there. So there's a lot less work from it on that based on that perspective. And also the application process as a whole is different just because you don't actually actively apply to many schools. There's a couple of, of the very best schools that require you to take a test as an entrance exam, but there's no like complete applications process in the sense that you have to find personal essays and supplemental uh, essays and recommendations from your teachers. It's only your grades that you have to send. And you basically just say, I want to become a business major. And then you go to a business college. That's what you do. There's not any of this, like making that college love you and you loving that college kind of <laughs> process through the form of essays. Yeah, it sounds like really, again, super intense here. Um, you know, in, it sounds like in Europe, it's, it's so streamlined and so much easier. Mm -hmm. Almost what you're, what you're saying is grades are primarily it, right? And then for mm -hmm. some schools, there are tests, but there's really none of this essays and none of this back and forth stuff. Is it similar in Germany as it is in Holland? Yes, it is. My dad, when he applied to college there, he, well, he basically sent his grades out and three colleges said, we'll take you. And, um, well, he sent his grades out and three colleges were given to him and he could pick from one of those three and he picked one of them and then he went and that was that. Now, isn't there a difference along the way also, like in, you know, from elementary school through middle school into high school in Europe, or at least Germany and Holland, they're guiding kids in a way that's sort of different in America, right? How's yeah, that work? The, the education system of a whole is drastically different. Like um, in Germany, I went to an international school, so I wasn't part of this program. And I went to an international school because I was born in London and we, my parents wanted me to learn English. And that's not what you do in German schools. But um, for German public schools, you, end, you actually take a test at the end of fourth grade, which is probably way too early, but you take a test in the end of fourth grade that determines whether or not you go to Hauptschule, Realschule, or the Gymnasium. And basically, the only school that leads you to a path where you go to college is Gymnasium. And the other two schools, you are out of school at the end of, I believe, 10th grade. And then you go to a trade school or something like that. And so if you are in those two schools, there is no path that leads to college unless you switch to a gymnasium. In the Netherlands, they have a similar system where you end up taking the test at the end of sixth grade. And again, there's three different schools that you could end up going to, but only one of them leads to a college path. And the other, there's a middle path, which uh, means that you have to take a test. And then you could end up going to college, but they'd separate students as it's very different in the way that it is here where everybody is goes to high school together. And if you are in the higher classes, you take AP courses or honors courses. And if you're not, you take regular courses in, in the Netherlands and in Germany, you're already separated by schools. So if you're not, so basically the AP students would be in one school, regular students would be in another student a school and students who had uh, difficulties learning would be in an entirely different school. And those other two schools would lead to a trade school, whereas here, everybody applies to college. 
Yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's so fascinating. The differences are amazing. And what about the sports aspect of it? How different is it as an athlete, as a swimmer? You know, what are the differences? Because I know you were in Holland over the summer and you had a radically different experience than you did here in Fairfield County. So tell us about that aspect of it. I mean, Fairfield County is a highly competitive (laughs) part, even in a competitive nation. So it's not an accurate representation of the United States as a whole, but it is, it's very different. You basically, whether or not you're good at a sport here, if you are a part of a sport, it's basically your second life outside of school. And for some people it is their life ahead of school. And it's weird because you spend so much time doing a sport that you almost forget why you like, like it. Like you practices here are two hours every day or more and if you get really good you're at two practices a day for more than two hours and you basically spend your entire life at school and at sports in the netherlands and in germany if you are that good at a sport first of all you have to reach that level where you're actually going places with your sport and you can compete in competitions nationally or internationally and even then you go to a school where there's only a very few people who are all at that school specifically for that sport. So for example, in the Netherlands, soccer is a big sport. So if you go to, if you're really good at soccer, you go to a school where the only two things you do are sports and soccer and school. But if you're not at that level, you do soccer maybe three times a week and you play for fun, basically. It's a very different way of Mm. competing in that sport because it's not based around the performance, even if you're not performing it's based around having fun and enjoying your time outside of school and having a certain hobby, whereas here it's almost a second life. Yeah, that's so true and it's very well said, Eric. But, you know, how do you manage those that transition, so to speak, you know, coming back from Europe and coming, you know, you're in this hyper-competitive environment, then you go play in Europe a little bit over the summer, then you come back to America, Fairfield County in particular, Greenwich on top of that, like, how do you manage that? You know, how's that transition work for you? Um, I think you just have to watch yourself. I think it's easy to, when you're not surrounded by a hyper competitive community, it's easy to think, oh, it's easy to just stay this way as it is in Europe. I think you just have to watch yourself while you're back in your community, like in Greenwich, you just have to watch out for going back to that same hyper-competitive stance on what you're th- uh, how you go about your sport. So I think for me, it was challenging at the, be- at the beginning. It was easier for me to stay European in that sense, I guess. But as weeks started to go by and I started to go back to my regular routine of school and swimming, it turned into, it was a little bit, it was easier to let go and forget that I was trying to maintain kind of a European lifestyle, I guess. And so I think the most important thing for me to realize was just to maintain that emphasis on being more relaxed about swimming and about life in general. So in a way, I guess the hardest thing for me was just to remember that I was trying to stop being so hyper-competitive or at least being sucked in by a hyper-competitive community because that doesn't work. For you, exactly. You know, yeah. one of the things we talk about a lot, you know, one of my Dr. Bredisms is that environments matter 
not a little bit, they actually matter a lot and they rub off on you, right? So sometimes when you get back in that environment, it's very hard to separate yourself from the energy, right? That hyper-competitive energy rubs off and then it just becomes you and then you don't use that you wake up at some point and you realize you're not happy right you're not really who you are and you know because some not everybody's wired what i call alpha double alpha or triple alpha right it's like not everybody's wired that way um and then there's that generalization that you know europeans live to work and americans work to live and i think there's some validity to that especially in places like Fairfield County. Um, your parents, though, like, what's that, you know, the Dutch-German mix like? You know what I mean? Is it is it different? You know, is your mom and your dad, you know, are the cultures different even though the, you know, languages are similar and they're, you know, close to each other? Um, yeah, it is. I mean, I think marriage has definitely been rubbing off on my dad, though, just because he's been married <laughs> to a Dutch woman for 20 years. So kind of the the old German seriousness that is the stereotype is also true. Um, it's definitely started to wear off a little bit. But you see every year when we go back to Germany, we visit my grandparents. I think it's it's definitely a lot more of a serious culture and a lot more, it's not hyper competitive, but it's just very serious. And there's not a lot of humor. It's very dry, yeah. very straight to the point very direct there's no like there's one way you do things and everything else is just kind of wrong in the <laughs> netherlands it's just the netherlands is different you have um it's just a, there's well it's partially also my family there but there's a lot more humor to it there's a lot more joy to be taken out of it and so i think i i would say that for the first couple years of my parents being married, I think that would have definitely been a little bit awkward at times, just because of the drastically different ways that they lived lives in their during their childhoods. But by the time I started to remember my parents as having a relationship together, it was um, I think it's been long enough for them to kind of figure out how to mix the two together, so that my mom has learned how to be more serious at times, and my dad has learned how to be less serious, and so it kind of mixed together quite nicely. Yeah, no, it sounds wonderful. I mean, that's sort of the essence of a partnership, right? The ability to sort of be flexible and adaptive and to blend energy, so to speak. That sounds really awesome that your parents have sort of figured that out when, you know, not a lot of people do, right? Really, to it sounds like you're describing a really healthy partnership and not a lot of kids have that experience, right, with their parents. So congratulations there. So what are, the, what are the next steps for you here as an athlete, you know, as, as a student and, you know, in your future here? What are your thoughts there? Um, well, I guess part of it is just, well, it's my senior year at high school. So obviously swimming is, I have to decide whether or not I want to swim in college. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the biggest, in terms of just actual future, I think that's my biggest step, but in terms of just taking something away from swimming should i stop swimming and using uh, something for swimming in the future is just to be i think i can maintain the best thing for me to do is to maintain that european sense a state of mind towards swimming while having the american practice schedule i guess hmm. sort of combining the best of both worlds because the, because we are such a hyper competitive community here we have so, uh, so much access to gyms and pools and everything that you would need to become a better swimmer. But at the same time, that comes at the cost of being 
hyper competitive as a person and that sometimes leads to your own to other problems but if i can combine the european state of mind and that's what i've been working on with that um american practice schedule as american intensity i think that you can come up with a nice balance between the two yeah that sounds wonderful how has your mental game changed over the past year or so um well i mean partially with due to your help and well mostly due to your help it's been a, a lot more focused on the right things i think that for a while for a long time what i was doing is i was focusing on just doing better in terms of times and i don't think that the focus for some people like the michael jordans that obviously works but for a lot of people that's not how you get better you get better by focusing just on the moment and working on that and so i think um over the past couple of months what i've been getting better at is just enjoying myself and living in the moment rather than worrying about where the what the future time is going to look like so what i would do is i would in previous years what i had done is i would worry about what time i would end up going at the end of a race before the race had even started because but which is stupid because there's nothing there's nothing i can do about the time that i'm going to go in 20 minutes because that's not right now the only thing i can wor uh, work on right now is getting myself ready for the race and once i'm in the water swimming the only thing i can do is try to do my best and there's no point in worrying about what the time is going to look like at the end of the race because i can't control that until the race is i can't see what that is until the race is over yeah, it sounds like you're getting better and better at the process, right? Being in the moment and allowing the experience to sort of take hold as opposed to worrying about some kind of outcome, right? So you've moved you've moved way out of outcome and more into process, more into what you got to do in that moment. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. Definitely. Yeah. What a difference that makes, right? When you're not yeah. worried about outcomes. And what about the starting gate, you know, getting getting, you know, out of the gate, so to speak, you know, getting a quick start, uh, you know, in the water. How's that changed? I think that's just excitement. I think um, what used to be being nervous because you, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And uh, I was worried that the outcome would be bad before the race even started. I think now it's just excitement. To, <laughs> I do swim because I like swimming. I love swimming. So obviously the reason yeah. why I'm racing is because I enjoy it. And I think the, the transition has been from being nervous every time I swim, which is strange because I go to practice and I enjoy practice. But and then when I come to a meet, all of a sudden it's because I'm nervous and anxious. But I think now it's just excitement to start racing and not necessarily because I want to be the world's best swimmer, but just because this is what I've been practicing for and this is what I enjoy doing. So it's just exciting to have a chance to show that. That's awesome. I love it, Eric. Um, please, you know, tell us what it's like to be wired as a swimmer, because I'm just not wired that way. Why, <laughs> why, 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 why swimming? Were you a kid and you just was like, you know, I'm really